tonight with a keyboardist, a fellow keyboardist in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, welcome to Confessions of a Keyboardist. I'm your oh, host. I like that. I didn't know it was titled that. That's cool. <laughs> yes, that's the brand new title of my brand new podcast. Catchy. And thank you. I'm Amy Frederick, and I'm here tonight with Adrian Heil. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Adrian. I, I asked you maybe three weeks ago if you would be willing to be a guinea pig and and be one of my first guests. You're actually my second guest ever. Very cool. I am honored. So, this is going to be fun, I think. Thank you so much. And we're hanging out here with his wonderful dogs, too. So if you hear a little padding sounds, it's me padding his adorable dogs. <laughs> Preston and Kirby. Preston and Kirby. They're my biggest fans. <laughs> they always uh, appreciate when I play piano. Them, so. oh, that's the best kind of animal. Yeah. If you can... Get someone to like what you do. Normally it calms them, so it's a it's a win-win for everyone. <laughs> Does it calm you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found music to be very therapeutic for the most part. I mean, if I'm having a bad day or something's bugging me and I sit down and play a while, I tend to forget it. So I think I that's that. one of the, the upsides of it, for sure. Definitely. Um, okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and ask you some background stuff just to sort of get an idea of where you're from and things like that. I think I know, but where are you from? I grew up in Verona, Wisconsin, uh, right outside Madison. Um, I love it there every season besides winter, but they get very long. Um, most of my family is still still up there and uh, try to make it back a couple times a year, but I've been here in Bowling Green now for about four and a half years. Wow, four and a half years. Where's Verona? Is that near, um, you, oh, you said near Madison. Yep, yeah, it's okay. uh, 10, 15 miles southwest of Madison, so okay. um, population-wise, probably now it's maybe pushing 20,000. It wasn't that big when I was growing up, but all the people working in Madison have really, you know, kind of stretched out to surrounding areas, and it's, it's really blown up the last couple decades, so... I played a gig in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, many, many years ago for five weeks in the dead of winter in 1993, I think it was. So, yes, I know what you mean about those winters. <laughs> crazy, yeah. crazy blizzards. I've never been to Fort Atkinson, but, uh, yeah, it's it takes a special kind of person to want to stay there, I guess. And, uh, you know, you can become equipped to deal with it, but I just don't really care for them a whole lot myself, so I, uh, yeah, I'm much happier with the climate down here. Well, I, I know I met you in Bowling Green, because I have a regular gig here. Um, did you come to Bowling Green to be, to be in school? Or? Uh, my wife was on the wait list to get into Western's PT program, and uh, that kind of led us to, to jump ship and you know see if that might happen, and it ended up happening the following year. And uh, so that was the biggest reason. Um, we were kind of willing to go wherever she could get in because it's just so competitive to get into those kind of programs anywhere. Oh, wow. I bet. And uh, yeah, that was the main reason. Okay. Um, just kind of were looking to make a change. and Right? Yeah. So were you hoping to get into the music scene when you moved here? I was. I don't know if I uh, knew exactly what I wanted. Um, I thought it was neat that it was close to uh, Nashville. Um, you know, yeah. being an hour away here. Um, but I had played in bands before, and, you know, it was definitely a hobby. I was hoping uh, hoping to find something neat, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your main instrument? 
a keyboard instrument, I mean? Uh, I would say I feel most comfortable doing synthesizer type stuff. A little different than organ or piano type stuff. That's kind of become, I mean, you got to be able to play it if you're the keyboardist in a band, but I really, uh, you know, I like the, the pitch and mod wheels. I have a lot of fun, um, you know, kind of maybe acting like a guitar player, being able to do those kind of um, changes of notes. and uh, Right. Yeah, I... What's a pitch uh, pitch wheel? Just sure, for people sure. That don't know. So uh, you know, if you hear a guitar player bend a note, it will take the intonation either up or down, and basically the pitch wheel on a keyboard does the same thing. Not all keyboards have them, but uh, synthesizers tend to because it's kind of a synthesizers tend to have sounds that are kind of you know what you would play for solos, and that's you know typically when a guitar player bends a note, and it's kind of the equivalent of that for a keyboard. Right, and what's yeah. a mod wheel? So the mod wheel on a keyboard can be set up to do different things. Um, I have two different synthesizers I play when I play a show, and it just kind of depends what I'm trying to do. Um, sometimes it can kind of add vibrato, make the note kind of uh, flutter back and forth. For like wah, 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 yeah, that kind yeah, of a sound. Lack okay. of a better term. And then other times uh, you can kind of, you know, make them do a different filter resonance, you know, say it'll start kind of quiet, and if you press that wheel, it'll make it come up in volume, and uh, just allow for different expression, and, you know, different different tones will um, lend their way to different usages of it. And, right. uh, like add a buzz or something, like zzz, that kind of thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it's just kind of based on the presets in the keyboard. Um, Sometimes you can have control over what you assign to it, and other times it's just predetermined. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay, so I'm really intrigued with that, so I'll probably ask you more questions about sure. that. Um, sure. um, so what was the very first synthesizer you ever owned? I'll just go ahead and ask you now. Sure. Well, uh, my first uh, keyboard, I guess you would probably call it a synthesizer. I mean, it was an old Yamaha uh, built-in speakers, Nothing fancy, but it had, you know, like 500-some sounds. It had just a bunch of different tones. Right. And uh, I found that to be probably the neatest aspect of it. It's just all these different sounds. You know, how, how can I apply this to what I'm doing in my band or if I want to try to create something? You know? And I just, uh, the creative side of it with, with a bunch of different sounds I found kind of cool. Right. So, yeah, it was, it was a Yamaha something. I can't even tell you. I think it was like a portable grand model, but okay. it was really light. And, yes, uh, yes, lightweight, meaning less than 20,000 pounds. Right. <laughs> Probably it, 20, 25 pounds, maybe less. Yeah, I would say around there. It, it, it didn't have weighted keys, so it had the synth-style keys. It was, okay. Yeah, not exactly maybe the best to, to learn on, but I was a little past learning stages, I guess, when I got it. So okay. I, was, I was willing to deal with the lighter weight for the... No, non-weighted keys. Right. Yeah. Weighted keys um, typically are more on a piano, right? Like mm -hmm. not not so much on organ, but right. uh, and not so much on some of the electric pianos. But like the term weighted keys comes from the grand piano or the console or spinet piano, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Um. So, what, what? Tell me a recording that you heard that had synthesizer on it that really caught your attention. Like, can you remember some? Um, main influences, early influences, or some recordings that just really 
you just couldn't believe you were like what is that sure yeah it's uh it definitely makes you say that when you're first learning about what is making all the noises and what you're hearing and and, uh the tracks you're listening to and i guess the first guy i kind of fell in love with um i'm gonna let him out i'm sorry (laughs) preston needs to relieve himself he's and it's pouring rain. I'm so sorry, yeah. Preston. Thank you. Preston, you, you want, you're not going to want to be out there very long, buddy. It's really stinky. It'll it's, just uh, it's like, hang out under here. He doesn't want to go out. I let him out a little while ago. <laughs> I thought he'd be fine. Sorry. <laughs> no but, uh, yeah, synthesizer players that I really, uh, the first guy I really kind of fell in love with as a uh, you know, teenager was Kyle Hollingsworth of the String Cheese Incident. Um they're kind of classified, I guess, as a jam band. Um, and a, a loose definition of that is a group that, you know, does a lot of improvisation, a lot of uh, soloing with no real idea where it's going sometimes. Sometimes it's a little more structured. Other times it's a little more free. But, uh, yes. yeah, basically his band, um, I think it would be fair to say he was kind of the band leader when they first started playing. Um, he has the most musical education of anyone in that band and he was kind of able to probably shape and mold a lot of the direction uh, that they headed and uh he would always set up with like seven or eight keyboards and i was like man why does he need all those keyboards and you know you kind of come to learn while each one has its specific usage and, and all that and uh so he was really the first synthesizer player that i kind of fell in love with yeah gotcha mm-hmm. Um, seven or eight keyboards. Okay, so like, can you name three yeah. or four of them? So he would always, he always plays, he still plays. Um, he has a, a Hammond B3, and he'll stack a Honer Clavinet on top. Okay. Pretty, pretty popular combination. And then he'll uh, have kind of whatever the latest and greatest uh, stage piano is. I think right now he's using the, the Roland RD2000 uh, for more, you know, strictly piano sounds, acoustic pianos. Okay, so he's not just a synth player. No, he's he has a... Uh, he's covering all the bases. I believe like. a jazz performance degree um, from Townsend State in Maryland. And uh, so he has a piano background, but he just, uh, I think much like myself, really enjoys creating different sounds and kind of what you can uh, escape sonically. And... Uh, yeah, so he's got the stage piano. He has he always brings Rhodes out. He's got a Rhodes electric piano, multiple different synthesizers. Uh, he'll play an accordion, a melodica throughout a show. He's got cool. all kinds of toys. So. Very cool. My, yeah. I just found out my nephew just got an accordion, so looking forward to a lesson at Christmas. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm playing a show next weekend that I will be using one on, and at rehearsal the other night was the first time I'd ever picked one up, and <laughs> I really have to play about three chords and just try to kind of make those sing on it and uh other than that that's all i'm really trying to do with it so but it, it'll cool. serve its purpose well for the the one song i'm using it for that's so. excellent yeah ah i'm kind of jealous um i'll let you check it out later if you want to well, i got it in my my little room over there oh, that's awesome yeah. um okay so let's flip back you know I, I don't know exactly how old you are but let's go back to when you first started taking lessons sure. i'm gonna assume you've had some lessons yep. probably at some point yep how old? What do you remember about it? Um, good things, bad things? Well, I'm 31 now, and I, so I learned to play music on the oboe. 
that was my main instrument. Um, I remember you telling me that. Throughout middle school, I played all three years of middle school, and then the first two years in high school. That is a hard instrument. I think. Tell me about really, it. Really, really Tell difficult me about it. instrument. Well, so I played the first two years of high school, then quit because pretty much all my friends weren't in band anymore, and it just wasn't cool, more or less, to me. And then I picked it back up in college. So that, that was what I needed to do to study music because it was my most proficient instrument. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough for sure. Mm -hmm. um, you spend more time making reads, I've been told, sometimes than not even than playing. Like, yeah, I, I never got into uh, personal read making, but um, yeah, the reads are uh, temperamental. <laughs> There's something else. I mean, you can just slightly chip them and you're done you need a new one and you know buy them they're pretty expensive for a little piece of wood but yeah the reeds uh it, it was something the whole embouchure aspect of playing it um is very tricky but uh regardless so so that's what i started playing music on was was the oboe and then uh in high school i was fortunate enough to have you know um improv classes and you know basic music theory, stuff like that. And our music program was pretty pretty established, uh, had a wide variety of stuff that you could get into. And I really liked the, the band conductor and the guy who taught most of those classes. So um, his wife was also the choir teacher and taught piano. So that was the first formal class I had playing piano was wow. in high school. Okay, and, wow. Uh, which book, do you remember which book you used? Who? I have no idea. No. <laughs> I'm always uh, curious about those kinds of things because, um, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. It's a, for, I have two observations to make about that. Sure. To switch from classical oboe <laughs> to <laughs> jazzy slash pop slash funk keyboards, you know, that's a very big, um, that's a very big valley for some people to walk through. And then the other thing is to have your first piano lesson in high school. It's just a statement for how important music programs really are in schools and, you know, just, and how good that teacher had to have been to get you going at that age. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a challenge to, for kids, I think, not that they can't do it, it's just that they have so many other obligations by the time they're 13, 14 years old. Yeah. And that's why I never really got into it until I was that age, just, I had no desire. I had no, uh, wants to come out. I had no, uh, I guess, inclination to... Piano, I found, is very much a self-motivating instrument. I mean, as are most. you gotta, you got to want to practice. you got to want to put in the time to get better. And uh, yes. that didn't exist for me until I was in my 20s, until college. And then I really, you know, that's where piano is part of the curriculum. If you're studying music, you got to be able to play. you got to be able to teach it. you got to be able to know your way around it a little bit. Right. And that's when, uh, so that class I took in high school, it was, you know, pretty much just an elective that I took with some friends and, you know, very light training. It was, it was a bigger class, so it wasn't very one-on-one -on -one or anything. You know, I didn't, I wasn't really in love with playing piano at that time. Um, it was just something that was kind of neat. Anything musical I was into, but I didn't really, I think at that point in time, have any idea how much time I'd be putting into playing down the road after that. So, right. Yeah. Um, do you want to let him in? You can't, can't sure. go into sure. yeah, Poor he's... puppy. It's like 34 degrees and pouring rain today. Um, which is 
kind of unusual weather for us here in the the Kentucky Tennessee area. It's part husky, so it feels oh, like it always has to be outside. Oh, you checking it out for us? Keeping us safe. You're a good boy. So, so do any of your family members play piano? No, uh, my grandma. Well, so I shouldn't say no. My grandma can play organ. She has an old, uh, I believe it's a Lowry organ yeah. in her home. Yeah. And uh, she kind of comes from a church gospel background. And uh, I don't really think she plays a whole lot anymore. And it's been quite some time since she has. But um, yeah, she, she used to know her way around and play it pretty often from what I understand. Um, By ear or reading notes? She can read. Yeah. She can read. So, yeah. But both or just? I think she was more into reading. Yeah, okay. She's got a bunch of books, and uh, okay. I think that might be gifted to me down the road, um, that organ, so yeah. if I have the space at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of neat. I always um, ask about that with uh, church because um, hymn reading is difficult. It's quite advanced. Yeah. It can be. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's the gospel tradition. I'm sure you sort of get used to a lot of the same patterns and things, but church, some church hymns can be really complicated, difficult. Yeah, and she can do, uh, I think, like the bass pedals and all that, too, okay. and, and add that in. I mean, that's a, a whole other element of playing organ, yes. playing those pedals. So, yes. I remember always kind of being fascinated with it, but I really, you know, it never inspired me to, to get to the point where I wanted to do it in my own free time or anything, but it was always hanging out when we'd get together for you know, family occasions. So. Right. But, uh, yeah, so my grandma... Is, is pretty musical. She's a great singer, too. Would sing in the choir um, at her church. And my dad is also a good singer. He uh, has sung in many different uh, church settings. And uh, he learned to play music on trombone when he was a, a teenager. So he can read as well. Okay. Yeah. So band and singing, there's a there, there's definitely a correlation, I think, that it, it doesn't have to be a a, situ a situation, you know, like it doesn't have to be something that you're, you can be the only person in your family, in other words, but it so often does help if there's someone who's performing or serving as some kind of a role model. Or, totally. Uh, there's a genetic element for sure. How, just how important that is, I don't know. Um, yeah. I think it can skip a generation or two also. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, how did you learn to read music? Was that by oboe, reading oboe? Yeah, band, yep. so oboe, band. oboe, band, uh, middle school. Um, so treble, treble clef, I'm I'm great on. Bass clef, you know, playing left hand piano stuff, I can do it, but it takes me a while to kind of figure out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's really hard. Get those, Split your brain. Get those notes all together. Yeah. <laughs> Into many parts at times. What? So when it comes to reading music, piano wise, I can do it, but you know, I was always more comfortable playing oboe. When sure. It comes to that. So would you say reading is probably not, it's, it's not the most, it's not an important part of your job description right now? How often no. do you use reading? Uh, not too often. Um, it just kind of depends the complexity of the piece I'm, I'm learning and how maybe specifically I want to play it. Exactly. Do you want to copy it verbatim or do you want right. to do a slight... Uh, slightly different version that's yours. Um, yeah. Okay, so I have a burning question for you. That's always um, 
I wonder when I, when somebody starts playing piano, like I've seen you develop rapidly over the last two or three years. I've noticed, I see you put videos on Facebook and uh, on Instagram, and I know, you know, you've branched out and taken a lot of different types of gigs since I first knew about you. Yeah. So how have you, I know that there's an aspect of technique building that you must be doing. How, what do you do to work on your muscular ability to play the piano or synthesizer or whatever you're playing? Um, I'm a big fan of playing the drum tracks. Um, you know, you always got to play in time, relatively, I guess. And uh, so I like to uh, kind of find a beat, uh, whether it be fast or slow, and just loop it. And if I'm kind of just playing for myself, trying to uh, maybe come up with a little something or just having fun, whatever, um, I like to, to set a drum beat and kind of play to that. Um, you know, I do that with my students when they're learning classical pieces, like even Bach or something. Mm -hmm. It can be really, really useful to use drum machines yeah. in that way. They're, I, I know exactly what you mean by um, helping you play in time. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like to do that. Um, I uh, let's see, technique-wise, I, I really try to make sure that I feel comfortable in all the keys. Um, that's a big thing, you know, especially over the last few years. Uh, certain keys are definitely more popular, especially in pop music, um, for songs to be written in. And, you know, you can be great in that key, but then others come about and it's like, oh, what's the fourth or the sixth or the seventh in this key? And so I, I really try to work myself to be comfortable playing in all keys. Um, I've been lately more uh, trying to get into modal exercises, playing in different modes. That kind of aspect of music has become more interesting to me. The older I get, uh, the more it makes sense the way some people play. When I was younger, it just didn't sound right. Um, you know, listening to bands like Steely Dan and hearing those you know, flat seven, sharp nine chords and, and crazy stuff like that. And uh, it's weird to a younger person until your ear kind of develops and you realize more what they're doing, it almost sounds wrong. And uh, so I'm, I'm always trying to, from a music theory standpoint, trying to improve my playing giving a more wide variety of, uh, you know, notes that I could play for a solo or chords I could add in when I'm uh, just accompanying somebody playing a solo or something like that. So, yeah, I, I try to stay really busy with, with improving. I really like to practice and uh, whatever I feel like I uh, maybe need to work on, I'll try to get into any given day and I try to play every day. Yes. Yeah. So just play a lot. Yeah. You know, practice. Just play. Totally. Uh, it, that does wonders for your muscles, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, it, it does. Um, <laughs> when was your first gig ever? Can you remember the very first gig you ever had? So, playing? Uh, yeah. But is there any other way? I sang in a band in high school. Oh. And uh, we were a cover band, and, you know, we didn't have that many shows or anything. But well, you, you were a lead singer? I was a lead singer. Wow. And I don't really sing anymore. Wow. And I don't really miss it. I like to sing, but uh, yeah, in high school, the, the cover band I was in with some buddies, um, you know, you just, somebody had to be courageous enough to get on the stage and, and sing the words, and I guess I wanted to be that person because everyone else was playing an instrument, so all I did was sing. Um, so yeah, that was like variety shows and talent shows in high school. 
But the first gig I had playing piano would have been in college. I had a band in college. Um, Kensington Stone was our name. And, uh, you know, we'd play a couple times a month kind of a thing. And that was really the first time I, I ever got paid to play music, I guess. Awesome. So, yeah. Always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, music. <laughs> it was a little something, and and we had a pretty good following from our friends in the area. So we'd usually feel welcome wherever we went. And uh, where'd you play? Like what kinds of uh, events? Just bars, bar gigs, and uh, you know, college bars. Yeah. So you're playing for your friends. And yeah. Have, oh, that's great. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's a real. That can so, be a lot of fun. And we were mainly an original group, which was kind of neat because I haven't really done that a whole lot since. Um, but uh, who wrote the songs? All of you, or all of us to an extent. Uh, the singer, um, who also played guitar, would kind of come to us a lot of times with an idea or lyrics and a you know a loose framework to what he wanted to to try to get down, and we would all kind of fill in the blanks. But uh, yeah, we would all kind of come up with uh, ideas. It was very democratic, very... Uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it, it was a good experience. We played together for, for many years and actually ended up moving to Minneapolis for a, a period of time to try to get to uh, you know an area with a bigger music scene and play more. Really? And uh, we did that for roughly a year. Oh, wow. So I think all together we played for three-ish years. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And mostly original material. Mostly original material. That's pretty awesome. It was fun. Yeah. I bet. Um, just what style would you describe that? Alternative? College rock? People kind of would group us in with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Black Keys, um, maybe uh, rock and roll with the keyboard edge, I guess, because not a lot of rock groups have keyboardists. Um, right. And... Uh, yeah, so we tried to kind of be blues rock, um, but we were kind of a jam band too. You know, we would never really do a song the same way twice, and that kind of appealed to me as well. Okay, and, and everyone else in the group. So that was kind of what what made it work, I guess. Yeah. Gotcha. So, what was your rig like then, and what is it like now? How has it changed and evolved? Uh, immensely. <laughs> I uh, so I had that one uh, portable grand Yamaha that was my first keyboard and I played all our shows with and uh, you know I got to the point where I had about oh, I don't know 50 different tones memorized like oh I'm gonna go to 501 for this one and then number 178 for this one and so I would just fly around with different tones on that one keyboard and I, I did that for the three years that we were together and it never occurred to me that I would need another one or why would I want another one this one can do it all. And then you kind of get into uh, learning more about gear and what one board will do better than another. <laughs> I'm sighing because I can so relate to everything you're saying. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a fun <laughs> rabbit hole to go down, but it's, it's definitely become a little more costly. But, you know, the, the gigs I play now pay a little more than they do back then, so maybe it evens out a little more. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Okay. So yeah, I just had the one keyboard in that band, um, and presently, I... Do you know what it was? It was at Yamaha, Portable Grand, whatever okay. it is. I don't remember the specific model, but it's it's a pretty, you know, elementary-based keyboard. Uh, nothing too fancy about it. Just uh, 
was kind of something I found one day and it had a lot of tone. So it seemed, seemed like a good option. Gotcha. And I ended up sticking with that for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, I still had that when I first moved here. Um, you can ask the guys in, uh, in the get down. I was playing that for, oh, I don't know, first six months, maybe a little less that we were playing. Yeah. And then, then it kind of dawned on me, I need to upgrade it. I need to get something a little nicer, a little, uh, yeah, kind of go more that direction. It, it had a bunch of stickers on it from bands in college that I liked and stuff. It it didn't exactly scream professional, so uh, I sold it and, and, and got a different one. So, yeah, that one served me well uh, for a long time, and presently I have four keyboards that I set up for mo most shows. Totally the, the uh, opposite direction. Um, <laughs> I have a stage piano, an organ, and then two synthesizers. So. Yes. Yeah. I can relate to it, yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's the price you pay for becoming better at what you do. Your ear becomes more fine-tuned. You have more higher demand uh, on yourself and... You know, more higher expectations, I guess, maybe. It's, I do, for yeah. myself. I right. Have a certain sound I want. And if I don't have that sound, I kind of sometimes feel like I don't, I'm, I'm terrible. Like, like, I'm not a good musician, you know. It, it can go just to the core of, of uh, my soul and rip at it if I don't feel like I sound good. Yeah, a happy mentality towards what you're what you have in front of you before you're even playing will translate to a better playing experience i think definitely Absolutely. yeah um what's your most memorable gig a, a very memorable gig that you've played uh i guess i'll kind of touch on some of these tribute shows i've been doing with that question um since uh tom petty passed away i've uh, been playing with a group of guys um well we did four tom petty tribute shows uh since his passing and those shows have been some of the coolest i've been a part of i've got to meet so many people and uh you know play for for so many people that i've never met and uh it's it's just been such a great ride that we ended up forming a band that we now play uh you know cover songs um and so yeah, we, we did that tribute for about four shows and then formed the, the band. I play in two different bands now, and, and that is, is one of them. But uh, yeah, those Tom Petty shows were um, some of the cooler gigs I've been a part of. I bet. I, so far, yeah. I just love Ben Montinch. He's uh, Tom Petty. He's the Heartbreakers keyboard player. Yeah. Um, one of my idols. Um, who else? Who are some of your favorite keyboardists? I know you mentioned a guy earlier. Yeah, Kyle Hollinsworth, uh, String Cheese. He, right. He's definitely still is one of my favorites. Uh, Ray Manzarek of the Doors was a huge influence. In, excuse me, influence on me when I was younger. Um, just yes. really presented keyboard in a different light to me. Um, you know, the way he was able to kind of lend his talent to a rock and roll group. Um, they were very unique for the time, and uh, I think still today are a very unique group to listen to. And uh, I guess he just really opened my mind to what playing keyboard in a rock band can do. Because, yeah, Kyle with String Cheese, that's that's a whole other kind of thing. But, yeah, Ray with The Doors was uh, 
was very neat for me to discover. And then uh, this guy we have on in the background, Thelonious Monk, totally other genre of music, um, would probably be my third biggest influence on saying to myself, like, I want to be a keyboard player. And, right. Um, the more I listen to him, the more I appreciate what he's what he's doing. You know, when I first heard him when I was younger, he was another one of those guys, you know, kind of like listening to Steely Dan. It just sounded weird, didn't make sense, but he plays with so he plays with such cool extensions and very angularly and uh he just really was never afraid to go for anything and he was you know often misunderstood for that with with the tracks that he was making just people didn't really think it was that great and now in you know retrospect a lot of people think he's one of the, the great jazz pianists of, of ever so you know right um, Monk is often, you know, uh, um, his um, dissonance is often brought up as um, wrong notes right. <laughs> by the untrained ear. <laughs> yeah, um, and he probably had a fair amount. But it also but. had an aesthetic about it that was very um, unique and quirky and, and genius, really. Yeah. And Ray Manzarek, for me, um, the, it's the left hand. They had no bass player, right? No bass player. He they was would, their bass they, player. Yeah, they would bring him in hand. for studio recording sometimes, uh, bass players. But uh, yeah, playing live, he was he was a bass player yeah. also. He was yeah. complete, uh, well, I can't say that word, but <laughs> a, a bad, uh, it's a totally hip man, capable of multitasking, kind of like your grandmother on her organ. Right. Yeah, it's, that's, going on. that's something that, I guess I personally don't aspire to do all that often, but I really respect people who can. My left hand is will probably never be anywhere near that good, and uh, I've kind of accepted that. But um, from a listening standpoint, yeah, it's magical to hear. Mm -hmm. sure. I hear you. Um, okay, rapid-fire questions, and then probably have to call this to an end. Yeah, you got a show because, tonight. Yeah, I do have to go drive over to uh, play a gig with Roxelle here. But... Mm -hmm. um, Okay, so just real quick, let's okay. see, let's ask you about um, what musician's death wrecked you the most? It's <laughs> a terrible question. I will ask a happy one following it. Yeah. But I know I have a few myself that just really, you know, I still think about these people. That, um, I carry them with me musically. Even I, if they are gone. Yeah, I think Prince comes to mind. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, first and foremost, uh, you know, of the last, what, like three years. Um, just his uh, creativity and, and what he brought to music and stood for. Um, yeah. I think anyone who is a working musician, a professional musician, uh, can appreciate what he contributed and, uh, and, and gave to music. For Definitely. Sure. Totally relate to that. Um, what's the latest song or piece that you're working on? So next weekend, um, I, I'm, I know this might not air for a while or be put out for a while, but uh, November 24th, I'm playing um, a Last Waltz tribute show at the Plaza Theater in Glasgow. And uh, the last month or so, I have been learning the band and whoever brought their cover material in for that show, um, I've been learning all those songs. 
So all in all, we'll end up doing, I think, 21 songs at night. So the last month, I've really been digging into that kind of catalog um, from that movie. Um, that's some a, pretty cool stuff. That's a great documentary. I love, love, love that movie. Um, would you like to play something to close this out? I can, yeah. to do it but I mean I really don't want to but I gotta bring this to a close and just want to thank you so much for having this conversation with us and um, I know my students will appreciate hearing some good advice on how to switch from oboe to keyboard in, <laughs> in a rock band right I, it's, it's, it's tough. amazing it's tough to play funk on the oboe and <laughs> I kind of had that uh, revelation and yeah the rest is history I guess, there you said. go so. Well, best of luck to you, and Thank you. Um, keep keep on rocking. And uh, I'm sure we'll um, we'll probably talk again at some point down the road. Absolutely, yeah. I cherish yeah. our friendship, and I, I think it's awesome that you're doing so something like this. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'll see you again Thanks. soon. All right, take care. You as well. Mm -hmm.